from the All Indiana Podcast Network. This is Who's Got Next? Who's Got Next with Wish TV's Charlie Clifford. Now, here's Charlie Clifford. This is the Who's Got Next podcast. Our summer slate continues today, trying to bring a different conversation to the table each episode. The Black Lives Matter movement, the pandemic, both important moments in our lifetime. As opposed to sports, which, yes, the entertainment helps energize so many of us, but the real scoreboard of life, that's the one that matters. If we take the time, the effort, the willingness to change, we can accomplish simply what's long overdue. Details of how to do it. I encourage you to go back, listen to Amp Harris, listen to Erica Wheeler, two of our recent guests, two individuals leading peacefully and prominently. Our city's lucky to have them. Today's conversation skewing a little more towards the pandemic and the return of live team sports in front of fans this weekend in Indy. The Pacers arrive in Orlando today. Every player wearing an I Can't Breathe t-shirt. Powerful statement as the NBA attempts to restart and conclude its season at Disney. Bunch of the team already on Instagram showing us the setup. The view from the room. You're likely going to be sick of it at some point. Miles Turner already working on a 1,000-piece puzzle. Does the food really stink at Disney? We had a fun back and forth with Doug McDermott about that on Twitter. Today, as I said, though, 48 hours away from live sports with fans in the stands, the man who helped lead soccer's return behind the scenes, Indy 11 club president and CEO Greg Stremla on the podcast how in the world is the team going to pull this off on Saturday? Indy 11 hosting St. Louis. The safety procedures and measures from A to Z on how everyone is going to get in and out safely. Greg giving us a great picture about how Saturday is going to look, how sports venues everywhere are going to feel for the foreseeable future. Greg's background sets him up very well for these unforeseen circumstances before arriving in Indy last March. He led CBC Sports the Canadian Broadcasting Company, its Olympic coverage, Hockey Night in Canada. You think that's a big deal up there? Multi-billion dollar annual budget. Big job. Fast forward to 2020. He's leading the United Soccer League back to play this weekend with spectators. Greg's conversation coming up shortly. Also, the Tony Romo of IndyCar Broadcasting. That is the car cuz Josh Steigman. He returns. His predictions, again, pretty much dead on point this past weekend. The historic triple header in Indianapolis, NASCAR, IndyCar colliding, plus a full look at Formula One's season debut in Austria. That conversation on the back end of the podcast, full rewind and analysis of where the Brickyard weekend may go from here before we get going thank you again the downloads the listens the follows sincerely appreciate it we're going to try to keep up the best storytelling we can for you for now there are stories to tell and the only question i have for you is who's got now as you write your life story you're far from finished are you looking to close the book on your job maybe turn a page in your career be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, 
The learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Next. You feel like you got your sea legs finally? Is the boat not rocking as much this week? I, I, I feel like uh, sea legs are good. I mean, there's still lots to do. We're, we're literally in the midst of sorting out a schedule with, uh, you know, 34 other teams, which is always interesting where everybody has their hand up for something and workarounds and all that. So we should have that solidified by the end of today. But I don't envy the league. We're trying to do our best to protect what it is that works for Indy, right? Beautiful. No looking back. Job, job well done. I know, I know we're thrilled that there's football in our future. We were uh... – we're, we had our fingers crossed the last four months, man. Yeah, I, I think the most exciting part is just getting the, getting the guys back on the field so they can showcase all of their, their skill sets to, you know, the fans and also getting fans back in a building. Uh, many of them are starved for action and live action. And so uh, most of it is, is predicated around how do we keep everybody safe, right? So we don't let our collective guard down, so to speak, and have an oops moment and uh, have regrets. So... Uh, we're trying to we're trying to control the controllables as we speak. With your background, I wanted to start here. I know you've had a ton of run in terms of really big events, really big leagues, specifically with the CBC yeah. and the great product they put out there. But for the last four months for you, walk me through not only I believe you're on an internal USL council, but also a national sports council and just for folks out there, what other people in the sports world was Greg Stremlaw communicating with over the past couple months? Yeah, it's, it's been a lengthy list, so you're right. I, I was privileged to get appointed uh, last December to uh, the Competition Executive Committee for the United Soccer League, which at the time sounded wonderful, um, tongue-in-cheek. Did not realize how busy that was going to keep those committee members once COVID had hit because that's the group that is charged with the responsibility of uh, redesigning the competitive format, the playoff structure, making recommendations en masse to the Board of Governors to vote on. And that's been a very, very busy group uh, to keep occupied. But it, it's, it's been a lot of fun as well. Uh, the other group, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there were five of us that were appointed from the sport of soccer uh, nationally to uh, a national COVID-19 task force. And that group is, uh, while they're not necessarily medical experts, they were chosen based on uh, various skill sets to deal with, um, crises management, um, you know, well-being of leagues and teams, and, uh, and, and we're there to act as a guide for professional sport as they returned to their marketplaces, respectively. And that has also uh, kept that group very, very busy. Different than the competition structure and, right. and strategy committee, where it's, it's much more medically inclined. A lot of uh, partnerships with medical experts from across the country, including John Hopkins University, which many would say is you know one of the best uh, that are out there in North America, let alone the world. And so that too has also kept uh, kept the hours uh, occupied. Was the five appointed from soccer? Was that put into a pool with other major sports, or was it just soccer specific? 
soccer specific, but a lot of interaction and liaising with the heads of other leagues like NBA and NHL and NFL. So there's been a lot of collaboration and sharing of information and intelligence as we're all trying to get back on our feet and return to some level of normalcy. And there's no sense in our opinion to be protective about that. So we really tried to share best practices. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty cool think tank right there. And as you said, one that we all needed or we were going to have nothing this summer. So thank you again. With USL soccer, the number one bullet point, I think from a fan standpoint, we have the first team sport back at their home venues. Why home venues as opposed to the bubble format? Anything you can elaborate on there? Yeah, I can elaborate on a couple of things. I mean, obviously, we're, we're not the National Football League and we're not the NBA. And so a lot of this is predicated around business models, but also health and safety. And so at the top of our list was health and safety. Are we in a comfortable position to bring back fans in various markets and starting to utilize some of those venues that are sitting dormant? Um, and obviously, that wasn't a quick decision. Uh, hence the task force and hence making sure there's consultation from across the country to see what those markets and venues are able to do. And ultimately, the Board of Governors decided that it was time for us to push forward and to be a league uh, that was going to resume play in their home markets, but with a myriad of changes and safety protocols added in uh, and other parameters to make sure that health and safety was at the top of the list. It looks great with the groups and, you know, playing three against your group plus a couple, couple other matches mixed in. How did you settle on, on 16 matches? Yeah, it was a good question. Obviously, there's a diverse set of opinions when you've got, you know, 34, 35 teams in the USL Championship and uh, all over the country. And those various jurisdictions have been hit with COVID-19 differently than others. Uh, some have responded better than others. Uh, so we, we tried to find a compromise approach that would get in a season, uh, would be logistically feasible to, to accomplish, but also would continue to be uh, driven by health and safety. And so 16 games seemed to be uh, a good number that we felt would be an efficient way for us to proceed with the season um, and, and keep everybody at, at the top of mind when it came to keeping them safe. And in your mind, I saw a good quote yesterday, David Ross, the manager of the Cubs, saying, look, if they're handing out trophies, I want it. I don't care if there's a bunch of people on the street yelling that, oh, it's not legitimate or whatnot. Do you feel like 16 gets you to that threshold where the team at the end of the year ultimately is the best club in the league? Yeah, we, we do. I mean, obviously, it's subjective. So there's no doubt there's going to be a difference of opinions of what that threshold could or should be. Uh, but the feeling was 16 matches plus would be able to get us to that integrity standpoint, which is really important to the clubs around the country. And so that's what we landed on. And you're right. I, I think 2020 overall will have a proverbial asterisk next to it as a year just for everything that's gone on. And we're only, I hate to jinx things, but we're not even halfway through the year yet from a calendar basis. Um, I'd like to think things can only get better. But the, the, the fact is we're, we're going to play uh, opponents. We have a bona fide playoff structure that's been voted on and approved. And whatever club is standing at the end of it all uh, has followed suit into that process that has been, you know, consulted upon. And as I say, the Board of Governors have put in place. You're sitting back trying to take all this in the last few months. At any point, did you think, oh, man, I, I just don't see this season happening? Did, did it ever get to that point for you? you always have questions like that. I mean, when we're dealing with extraordinary situations and literally by the hour, things are changing. 
Um, I would I would not be, be forthcoming if I didn't say, you know, th there has been various doubts that have existed. Um, that said, I, I feel really confident in the plan that's been put together. And as we started to get things more and more under control from a state standpoint, learning more about this virus, uh, having people buy more into PPE usage and various other safety protocols, uh, my confidence continued to be very, very strong. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll go on record as saying I do believe that our return to play protocols, which are as comprehensive as any league in the world, and our return to venue protocols with our partners at Lucas Oil Stadium and the Capital Improvement Board are, are really, really good. I, I use my family, uh, my wife and children as a great litmus test. Uh, my family will be in attendance at our, our, our first game, uh, so long as we're permitted to continue to have fans. And, and why is that? Not just to support our club, but I actually think uh, Lucas Oil Stadium will be the safest place in the entire state of Indiana. Uh, I believe that far, far safer than your local grocery store, your local hardware store, any of the farmers markets that are back in operation, any of the restaurants and what they're doing. Our safety uh, protocols are far more intense than what anybody else is doing. What are we looking at for the home matches here in Indy? I can say we have been ultra conservative purposely because we wanted to make sure that this had traction. And so we have superseded any state requirements or guidelines by far. And we've also superseded any federal and CDC guidelines or requirements by far. So those two things in particular uh, makes me feel very optimistic that uh, the city and the local health authorities should also follow suit where we've got, you know, uh, temperature checks going on in the venue. We've got staggered entry and, 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 and exit times. We've got plexiglass and infrastructure improvements throughout Lucas Oil Stadium, including touchless washrooms and all sorts of things that have been done during COVID-19. And sanitization stations throughout the venue uh, in, in a copious amount of places. The ticket manifest that we have built out has been fully predicated on social distancing. So you can't sit in the venue at an Indy 11 game without automatically being socially distanced from other fans. Um, so we're, we're blessed to have Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis uh, from a professional soccer um, venue. We don't need 70,000 seats. So naturally, we're able to really respect all of those guidelines. And that's why I say supersede them. So I think families will feel very, very comfortable to come, watch professional soccer, see what these guys can do, uh, and then go home back to their home environment feeling very, very safe again. We've been strategic about this. Uh, we have no interest in manipulating a situation. Um, so what we've done is we've tried to be very diligent in our stair-step approach to ratcheting back up uh, up until venue play. So we started with isolating all our coaches and players. We went to up to groups of four with all sorts of uh, safety restrictions, then groups of 10, and now full squad training as we sit here and speak today. But again, we've got coaches and PPE equipment. We've now got a testing pool where every one of them is getting tested a, a, a very frequently and to a cadence. I'm very pleased to say all have tested negative as well, which also gives us a, a great deal of confidence as we push forward. And we now believe that working with our great partners at Lucas Oil, that we have a great game plan to, to re-enter with fans in the building. Because again, we're not looking to pack the house. We're looking to respect all of those guidelines and protocols, still enable them to watch. I mean, if I can go to my local Meyer grocery store where I live, and it has right outside 1,850 people can go into that grocery store and many of them are not wearing masks, but now I can go into a Lucas Oil Stadium 
I'd like to think that certainly we should be able to get at least uh, that amount of fans in that massive building, especially when our safety protocols are far, far greater than what the local grocery stores are doing. Yeah, I love that analogy. I'm on board with that too. That was my other final question. Any, anything uh, you could share with the test stuff that it sounds like the players and the staff, no, no positives is what you just hinted at there? That's, that's, that's correct. I mean, obviously, I, I, there's confidentiality around. I can't share names or anything like that. But what I can say is um, our, our testing pool has been identified, and it's going to include and does include the obvious suspects of all of our players, academy players, coaches, medical staff, trainers. Really, that bubble has to be really intact because they're going to be the group that's getting on a bus, traveling to another venue, playing, and then getting back on the bus and coming back to home market. And so – uh, not that the fans and other staff aren't critically important, but if that group isn't really taken care of, none of us have any of these great games to go to or watch. And so we've taken great precautions. Again, we can only control the controllables, but um, I think today we've done a really good job at that. I'd like to think we're best practice, not only here in Indianapolis, but across the country. Let's just hope we continue to move those uh, proverbial flag sticks forward for, for the 11th of July. Yes, sir. I'll get you out of here on this one. I know at this stage in your career, you're interested in, in leading a winner. This roster stacked. We know Memphis was a great start. You, you've got a great head coach. Where do you see this team going with uh, the long layoff? And then, obviously, as we return here, we know we know there is a common goal within this roster and within that locker room. Yeah, we, I mean, listen, we only have one objective. I mean, as you know, I have a long, long Olympic background, and I've always said, if you're not on the podium, you might as well not even talk. A podium is not good enough on this one. There's only one spot on the podium that we want to be. We think we have all the assets in place. Uh, we have team chemistry. Knock on wood, everybody's healthy. Great coaching staff, as you've said. We've returned so many core players that work well together. Uh, we've added several new additions that we believe can help us in those potential gaps we had last year. Uh, arguably the best back end in, in all of soccer in, in this country. Uh, and now a little bit more firepower to put some more balls in the in the net. I know we have to the results are have to come from that. But yeah, we we have every intention to win it all, uh, and we don't plan to stop until we do. All right, Craig, let's go, Louisville. You're on notice. We're coming. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. We look. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Look forward to it. The car cuz is back. Uh, he was saddled in this past weekend, the first big-time race weekend of really all 2020, which is insane to say July 4th, finally, we have a full slate from F1 to IndyCar to NASCAR to EMSA, everywhere 
in anywhere cars on the track not that there were really fans at any of these venues especially up top on the major circuits but with that being said a ton to break down especially here in indianapolis historic triple header xfinity nascar series and indycar on the road course first time the xfinity guys or any nascar of any kind had been on the road course i know josh has a ton of thoughts about that uh but and i apologize we couldn't get this out there earlier right after the races we were locked into them uh especially on saturday for myself i know josh is going to carry the load on what went down sunday but here we are dude a couple days after uh, the ratings look really good. NBCPR put out their numbers yesterday or the day before. I'm going to leave you with those television things along with what we saw on the track. What is your initial takeaway of the historic triple header at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Massive success. Granted, obviously, there was no one there. But even with that being said, this was a huge landmark weekend uh, for the Motor Speedway, for IndyCar, for NASCAR. It was awesome seeing the two series together, uh, especially on Saturday. I mean, it was two, it, we saw the two different dynamics on the same track within an hour of each other, and it was it was spectacular. The racing was really good. Uh, IndyCar had a nice, clean race. Obviously, one, one incident, but a really clean race. Uh, the Xfinity race i think was honestly the highlight of the weekend just because of how insane that finish was i'm with you on that that's what i immediately said after after yeah. the finish i said that's gonna that, be the story all weekend yeah no question that 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 finish will go down as one of the more memorable finishes at at the speedway especially from a nascar standpoint i mean that that's a game changer that it, it we at least for me i i've known that NASCAR road racing is fantastic. Watkins going every year is spectacular. And I think it's really cool seeing them expand, especially to a very historic facility. If you missed the Xfinity fin finish, we had Chase Briscoe, AJ Allmendinger, and um, who am I missing from the pack? The 22. The yes. Austin Sindrick and Austin then Justin really popped in there as well. Yes. It was, it was sweet. You know, a couple laps left. There's 14 turns. Um, the big complaint with the big guys on, on the oval with NASCAR and in Indianapolis is there's just not that much passing. It's kind of a follow the leader, merry-go-round situation. We saw Denny Hamlin blow a tire with seven or eight to go. So that really opened the door for Kevin Harvick to claim back-to-back -back wins. So there was in, a nice amount of drama with NASCAR this time around. And I know there was yeah. a lightning delay early. So it just turned out to be a really long day, which it always seems to be with the NASCARs on the oval at Indy, but this Xfinity race, it basically Josh and layman's terms in my eyes, it turns into this go-kart race with like three to go and guys <laughs> like you're cool running people off the track. You know, it's all about the inside position on those turns and chase Briscoe, this guy from tiny Mitchell, Indiana, which is down in Larry legend country down by French lick. Here he is 25 years young. He's been really hot on that series trying to make the full-time jump and he comes out victorious really on this three heart three car heap on the final three laps climbs the fence says you know i had to do it tony stewart was my idol that's his move and really it was just a cool indiana story on an indiana weekend um but where does this leave you with the big question in terms of where does nascar specifically the cup series go from here 
because plenty of folks coming into this past weekend, Josh, were like, hey, if this goes well, there's going to be even more pressure for Penske and NASCAR to talk about maybe not forgetting the Oval altogether, but at least getting the Cup Series on the road course too at some point. Yeah, I, I see there being a chance maybe of adding a uh, NASCAR, the Cup Series to the road course. I don't think for that particular weekend, I think still having the Cup cars on the Oval is a good thing. I mean, we obviously saw with the TV ratings, it was the most watched sport event of July 4th weekend. I mean, my goodness, there were four and a, what, four and a half million views which is insane. So, in the but race, what was, what was it going up against? I mean, what in in all reality, it's not like yeah, it blew there was out. On the golf. It was like golf, golf right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, there there wasn't as much going on, but still, the the ratings for that race went up significantly. The race itself, I think, was pretty decent. And I think what needs to happen is they need to still give it a couple more years on the oval with having fans there. This was obviously different because we couldn't have fans there and we couldn't see the true draw in of the audience in person from the IndyCar race and the Xfinity race and see how much of a uh, how much of a growth that have actually caused for the Brickyard. So I, I think we got to give it a couple years of fans and attendance to really see what it can do. Um, I, I think overall that this potentially is the the weekend that saved the brickyard. Hmm. I, I honestly think that this could turn into uh, an increased draw for the brickyard. Are we going to see the quarter million that we used to have for that race? 300,000? No. But can we see that race get back over 100,000 being one of the highest attended NASCAR races? I think there's a chance because adding more interest to that weekend. You also have to remember as well that uh, there's there's a big chance of, you know, the, the USAC dirt cars running there because they would have ran that weekend if it wasn't for the COVID issues. So I think that's one potential there big time. And um, maybe even adding IMSA. I mean, there's a chance to really grow that weekend into something spectacular with having NASCAR as the, the, the top dog. I'm with you. Uh, the, the BC39 coming back would only add more to it. My question is, is it just an anomaly in terms of the TV numbers, the fact that it's during a pandemic, it was only going up against the golf tournament in Detroit, which is really on the back half in terms of the PGA. You know, your, your average fan is not dying to turn into that, tune into that tournament. July 4th weekend in general, do we, I agree, let's keep this for a couple more years. Let's see if the added juice of IndyCar in a pair of road course races can suck more NASCAR fans back into the speedway. The heat with July 4th, we saw it Saturday particularly. Connor Daly, a couple of these guys saying, I dropped 13, 14, 15 pounds during that race. It was insane heat, buck 21 track temperature. Do you see the July 4th weekend staying? Because I don't know who you're throwing out there, whether it's Jimmy Johnson in an IndyCar on the road course or, you know, any any sort of uh, different combination with an IndyCar guy in the Xfinity race. Yeah, to me, I don't know, keeping it on the, the 4th of July, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be an awesome sell for fans at any point, just because it's the middle of the summer. Yeah, middle of the summer, the heat for sure is going to be a problem. We saw that big time. I mean, even the Xfinity guys were pretty, pretty worn out after that one. 
Um, I, I think having all those series together on one weekend there is something that needs to happen. I, I, I think it's obvious that there was a pretty big draw uh, TV-wise, and you and I know the Indianapolis community is all over racing and would love to see that in person. So I, I think having the chance to move it to a different weekend, maybe, you know, like we're talking October, because, you know, they're doing that Harvest Grand Prix, right. uh, which is kind of going to be a, we think, a one-year deal. If they can move that to October, it'd be a lot cooler out, not as much competition. Um, well, we would have some with football, obviously, but. Yeah, you would almost have to go Friday, Saturday. Because right. why even screw around with Sunday in the fall? So I, I, I think there's, the, the good thing is, is because of there's, the, the, you know, the whole thing of keeping the Brickyard Noble, the tradition deal, the whole tradition of that is, you know, gone to saying keeping it exactly the same. I think there's a lot of opportunity to grow this thing and really change it. Uh, and that's what Penske, you know, has in his back pocket. He's, he's the man. He has the chance to really make this thing grow. And, uh, make it whatever he wants. And I think we have a potential for it to do that here, uh, near future. And, you know, maybe be on a different weekend. Very quick turnaround with IndyCar road, America, Iowa, all these races, you heard it on the broadcast over and over again, five races in 15 days. You know, these guys have been sitting on the sidelines for so long and here we're going to, we're going to figure out who's really the best. Is this just advantage Scott Dixon? Because, we're catching him in in such a zone that it's going to take a miracle. I mean, God help Alexander Rossi. You could not be <laughs> off to a worse start than the 27 no. team is off to. This is coming off all the momentum of the new contract with Andretti. He's the poster boy long-term, uh, and he finishes, what, 25th due to a power issue, engine failure. It, it was just an absolute mess on Saturday for Rossi. Your thoughts yeah. on just this lead that Dixon has after two races, two wins. It's arguably the best driver in the history of the sport. And given the circumstances, it looks like he could find another one this weekend. Oh, he could easily find another one or even two this weekend. I mean, uh, you know, barring mechanical failure or uh, an unforced, you know, actually, no, he wouldn't have an unforced error with Dixon. So that's, that's not him. <laughs> and, and unless it's someone else crashing into him and there's a mechanical failure, I mean, he, he's going to be having podiums this weekend, if not wins. I mean, it's really kind of up to, uh, you know, maybe some big strategy deal coming in or Joseph Newgarden. I mean, he's been, he's been consistently, you know, running good, you know, quiet. He's kind of, he's kind of doing what Dixon's always done is being consistent, you know, top five, top seven, getting good points. Right. So the only way he could be really derailed is by one of the uh, consistent Penske drivers. So, I, I don't know, man. Uh, he's in rare form. He is he is doing something that most of you know most of the drivers, even in their peak, you know, in their you know twenties, you know, early thirties, would dream for. And he's doing this when he's you know getting you know not too far away from our, our parents' age. It's insane. I NBC asked a good question post race on Saturday comparing this start to any other period in his career. And he mentioned, you know, we've had great years about a decade ago. He rattled off, I think, seven or eight wins in one year. But it's clear they're locked in. He has a great partner in Rosenquist who, who's hanging around. Uh, we know in Texas he was right there with him. 
We need to shout out our boy Renus Vinke, man. We killed him after Texas. It was a mess in qualifying the race. He was out there for like 20 minutes and then back to the garage. The rookie finishes fifth at Indy, a very quiet top five. Uh, we need we need to tip the cap to the rook. Oh, 100%. I, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this or not during our, our post-Texas uh, podcast, but he's he's way good on the road courses and that's something yeah that, you did yeah that's something ecr needs and I, I i was not surprised at all to see him get a top five i was very happy for him i was not surprised at all my kid's got talent on the road courses on the ovals he's got a large large uh learning curve ahead but he's got talent he's young and uh, i could see him getting another top 10 easy this coming weekend or multiple you know top 10 at road america i mean he's he's gonna be quick up there that's his style of track we're officially Team Arenas. We know his uh, garage crew, his pit crew, uh, much happier with that result. Herta was money all weekend, qualified well, ran inside the top five essentially all day. Ray Hall, like, was cooking. 13-second lead, and then Oliver Askew throws it into the wall coming into the front stretch. I thought right. it was weird. Like, NBC loved Askew. I don't know if you realized during qualifying and, again, on race day, he was getting so much TV time. I was just curious, kind of behind the scenes in the production meetings, why why that was. I know he's a nice story as a rookie, but it just seemed like he was on like every other minute. Well, one, one reason why most people kind of don't realize this, if you're not really in tune to the, the road to Indy, the guy's been dominant in every car he's put in. He, I, I was watching him years ago when he was in USF 2000, when he was winning the races at Indy the, on GP weekend, and then Pro Mazda, and then Indy Lights. I mean, the kid has been he, – he wins in everything he's put in. And, uh, you know, get, give him a couple more races. I, he, he will be a race winner very soon. I can guarantee you that. It's um, – he's got serious talent. I, I, I think another reason why is that he's driving for McLaren, and he's, you know, kind of a poster boy, you know, American, you know, he's got, you know, got the looks, got the talent, that whole deal. He's, he's kind of another new garden and it's, it's good right. to have those guys in the series. So that's, that's my take there. I'm, I'm excited to see that, that McLaren team. I, I think they can become really good. They've got, they've got a lot of good people behind them and they're obviously showing some pretty good speed. Yeah. They've been consistent early. I want to quickly pivot F1. We have the season debut at Austria. I'm going to let you quarterback the race because I didn't get a chance to watch a ton of it. But first, the news regarding Fernando Alonso. He is back full-time starting in 2021. A new deal. If you haven't been around Alonso, we love him here in Indianapolis. This will now be his third 500 over the past four years. Uh, just charismatic Spaniard never sees a cloudy day in his life just seems so happy all the time and is obviously one of the best talents overseas a two-time formula one champ your thoughts on his new deal i think it's a good move for renault uh he actually started his career oh well didn't start his career he started with minority but his his first formula one championship came with renault about you know 15 years ago so he's got history with them uh i think it's a great move to at least get the team more developed he knows how to set up a car he knows how to develop um i i think it's a it's a good move it's interesting because it their development driver program it's obviously looking over them 
and pulling in a veteran, but I, I overall think it's going to be a good thing. It's uh, a way for them to, you know, get to the top of the mid pack because that's where they need to be there. You know, that mid pack battle in formula one is insane. You know, you got four teams in there just absolutely gunning at every single race. So I think that's a way for them to elevate their game. And, you know, he's, he's kind of like, you know, kind of like Dixon, he's still in really, really good form uh, being older. And he's obviously got even a little bit more on, on Dixon age wise. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. And, uh, yeah, no, he's he's not done anytime soon. He's he's going to be in the behind the wheel of race cars for I'd say at least another decade. Next year, Monaco moves to the week ahead of the 500. Originally, yeah. the read on that was, oh, good, we can see more guys double dipping, but then it gets kind of dicey in terms of the qualifying situation in Indianapolis. Obviously, you cannot be dicey for him because he's yeah. not a rookie. You're right. You're right. I mean, my gut says this is going to be his last 500 in in, in terms of the recent few, I don't, I don't know, I think the deal was two years maybe with them, but do you see him coming back next year? I know it all hinges on what happens this year. Obviously, if he wins the thing, you're probably not coming back to do it again, um, or at least the chances of him coming back, in my mind, go down significantly, gunning for the Triple Crown, but do you think this could be the last time we see him at the 500? Uh, if he wins the race, yes. Uh, if he doesn't win the race, he's going to come back. His, his goal is the triple crown. He's not putting that aside. And now since there's an opportunity for him to actually you know, still shoot for the triple crown while running the Formula One World Championship, it's perfect. So, Yeah, if, yeah, if, if, if he wins this hyp- year. Hypothetically, if he does come back next year, someone would need to qualify his car in Indianapolis. And he would fly over after racing at Monaco. And because of the current rules, as we found out, our good friend Mike Thompson over at the museum, as long as you've run the race before, someone can qualify your car and you can jump in. Yeah. That's totally cool. The issue you could run into is if a Norris or someone else comes over and they've never done the 500, they've never done the rookie test. Uh, Pensy's going to have to change some rules if he wants some new F1 names, uh, which we can get into that as we get closer. But any other thoughts on the Formula One opener? I want to close on that. Uh, It it was insane. I mean, when you only have 11 of the 20 cars finish. (laughs) Sounds like Texas two years ago, IndyCar or whatever. Oh, yeah. No, it was reliability. Demolition Derby. Yeah. No, it was mechanical reliability issues. Um, you know, there was, there was a couple, uh, there was, I think, a tire popped on one. I mean, there's, there was, it was insane. There were cars all over the place. And the guy that I picked that I thought was going to win that, um, Verstappen, um, he was the first car out and he was the two time defending winner. So that was wild. Love seeing the, the 77 Mercedes, the all black Mercedes get the, uh, get the win with Botas. That was cool. Uh, love seeing McLaren get uh, a podium with Lando Norris, his first F1 podium. And then uh, uh, Leclerc and the Ferrari getting second. And that actually was the first time ever in Formula One history that Ferrari, McLaren, and Mercedes stood on the podium together. First time in F1 history wow. that those three names stood on the podium together. I would have guessed that would have happened dozens of times by now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. First time. Wow. Yeah. That's that's way cool way cool it was uh 
I, fantastic race drama all the way through. Uh, F one's going to be fun to watch this year, and it, it, the uh, the Ferraris were definitely lacking in pace, but they had a really good run. But those McLarens are uh, they, they have some good pace. I think Mercedes is still the class of the field, but if um, if Red Bull does a little bit better reliability, I think Red Bull is going to be winning. Um, I think the second most amount of races is they did have a, a reliability issue with Verstappen's car when he was running in the top of the field. And then his teammate, Alex Albon got spun out while passing, trying to pass Hamilton with a couple laps to go. Uh, and he was actually on pace to pass Botas as well for the win. So that was a sticky situation. The reason why Hamilton finished on the podium car created that contact. So great drama, great, great drama. Here we are. We're back. And uh, before I cut you loose, bravo, you kicked my butt in our predictions. But there's tons of racing to go, so I'm not I'm not giving yes. up that easily. Point Josh, point car cuz. We'll have him back soon. IndyCar heading to Road America. We will have you covered with all the fallout from the trip out to the great state of Scani. Jay, be good, dude. Yeah, same to you. Yeah, let's uh, enjoy a good old uh, cheesehead racing weekend. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Greg Stremla, Josh Steigman, well done. We are going to take a quick look at baseball. The simulated games are back. The stands are empty. The crack of the bat, you can practically hear it from here. Coming out of Wrigley Field, Kyle Schwarber, a home run today off Kyle Hendricks in a simulated game. You Darvish, three innings, one hit. It is just odd with no fans in the stands. Once the games get back, yes, we're going to tune in. It's something to watch. It's interesting. But the juice for these players with no noise whatsoever, with, with nothing authentic coming from the crowd, it's going to be a completely different game. I'm interested to see who is in it for the long haul, who's truly in it for the purity of winning without the extra juice, the out, extra energy. This is going to be an odd 60-game sprint here that hopefully gets off the ground in a few weeks. The NBA, we touched on that. We're going to go deeper into the bubble Get as close as we can get. Get some players on who are living through it. We will do that at some point. 
And also college sports, a big Thursday. It all came down the wire. The Athletic had it first. The Big Ten's only playing conference games, not only in football, but all fall sports. And then the Big Ten are releasing their official statement, which said, yes, that is true. We are not going outside the conference, period. And that is if, if we have a sports season. The big last line in the statement, if you only read the first three paragraphs, there was a big sentence at the very end saying, we are fine. If it is not safe to play, we'll sit out. They're putting that in writing on July the 9th. Health experts say, this is crazy. You're not acting in the best interest of your student athletes. Well, we aren't going to play then. It's that simple. That's a huge statement from one of the top two, three biggest conferences in terms of football, basketball, and everything else in the country. We'll see who follows suit. It looks like the ACC will. Notre Dame likely to join from a football standpoint for this upcoming season. You know Notre Dame schedules all across the board. Whew. Will we get to that opening weekend of college football? I don't know if I like that bet. And it's only the f- second week of July. That's that's how we're that's how we're sitting here. I guess it's our own fault. Uh, we will be back soon. Let's talk soon. Check out more podcasts from the All Indiana Podcast Network now, now. at allindianapodcastnetwork.com. All